And if someone wants you to make a decision and not think about it, I guarantee you they don't have your best interest in mind. They have their best interest in mind. It should be a massive red flag that they don't want you to think. And if you are offering something of high value, of importance, something that is going to be incredibly memorable for people from a positive perspective, you should have no fear in people thinking, questioning, asking, poking. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So what's new? It's cold, man. Yeah, you got some snow. Yeah, it's melted off, but uh, it has remained quite cold. So it's 40, 44 right now. Um, mm-hmm. So no recording outside. I tried to I tried to take full advantage of those last couple of weeks where you could like tell something was in the air. It's like, this is not going to mm-hmm. last. Yeah. So. All right. Well, once the spring comes back around. <laughs> yeah and like 90 days when the sun decides to show back up again then you know, we can get back outside so yeah yeah how about you ah craziness craziness um did i tell you we decided we're going to sell our house no um really? where we're at the housing prices are are just crazy at the moment um crazy like high or crazy high crazy high and you can see the market's about to to correct we've already made a correction here i mean we're we're getting very very close so we've been thinking about doing something for for a little while but the thing is is like we don't immediately want to go buy another house because housing prices are just crazy um Mm -hmm. so we talked with my wife's parents and they've got space at their place right now so we're going to move in with them for nine months or so a year um sell our house the money we make put aside for a down payment and pick out you know f- wait for the the market to correct and um you know th- then buy something plus i mean her parents are in their mid-70s and they need a lot of help with things right now so uh-huh. that's also part of it. We're going to move in and help them with some stuff that they need to do to their house because they also want to downsize. But they're waiting for us to make a move. It was just all kind of sun came together and we're like, let's talk to them. They're all for it. So we've just been sprinting and packing up the house. So like I'll send wow. a picture, the chaos on the other side of the, the camera right now. It's just it's just nuts. This is still mm. up, but this is going to be coming down soon. So um that's crazy man yeah it is it's i mean just the 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 crazy ass idea but um but it's gonna work out like and like i said they it's gonna be beneficial for everybody because they're gonna need they need help with some things the the prices the houses where we're at right now i'll be sending a kid to college before um before they get this high again 
Mm, wow. All right, giddy up. Yeah. So, yeah. so no, that, that's it's, been, it's, it's an interesting time. It is. It's an interesting time. And believe it or not, like we know several people that are doing this right now. They're just seeing the amount of money they can make off of their house. Their parents have yet to downsize. So, like, can we move back in for half a year to a year? So we can sell our house. Like we know several people that have done it. We've we've been putting putting it off, um, just because it's been for forever since I've lived with parents and mm-hmm. quite gotten comfortable um, running the house. I, I was so, I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna say, can we put bets on if you make it the year or not? Because I don't think you're making it the year. Um, I'm already coming up with what I'm going to need to do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, like. You know, like there, it's funny because they're like Suzanne's like, Mom, just so you know, there's some days Jimmy doesn't like to talk at the end of the day. Um, because <laughs> it's like, you know, just like a day like today, I've just got a crap ton of meetings. I'm in meeting after meeting after meeting, and my brain is shot by the time the evening comes around. And it's not that I don't want to talk to anybody, I just don't want to have long, drawn out conversations. Like, I kind of just want to yeah. mellow out, turn off my brain for a bit. And she's like, If he doesn't want to talk, don't take it as an insult. It means his he just he just needs quiet time to to relax um i mean it's it's going to be interesting i'm looking at there there's so many benefits for it like you know my son's gonna get to live with his grandparents for a year um yeah they they desperately need to downsize but they're not going to get get there without help so it would actually be harder constantly going over and helping them And like where we want to eventually move to, it's probably about an hour from here, hour, hour and a half. And so if we were to move and they're like, okay, now we're going to find something small out near you, the amount of time back and forth trying to do that. So we're like, let's, we're going in with a plan of we're cleaning things up. We're moving in, but we're also going to help you get the house ready, downsize, get rid of stuff that you don't need, donate, throw out all of those things. So it's been this sprint like, just about every night right now, like last night I was in the garage at 10 o'clock last night, cleaning stuff out, like going through the stuff like I should have gotten rid of two years ago, but I've always found a reason to put off doing so. Mm. So yeah. So do you have your, you, do you have your place, uh, formally up for sale or you're prepping no. for it? No. Um, we have to finish a couple things. I have to patch some, some stuff. Like I'm taking stuff off the walls this weekend in the dining room, patching, touching up. I'm in the progress process of just emptying stuff out of the house and putting it in my in-laws basement just to open the space up, you know, cause mm. you, you know, like when you're trying to sell a house to like declutter it as much as possible to make it look bigger, make it better for showing. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the process of packing. I would love mm. right before Thanksgiving to actually have it listed. So that's why we're like in this crazy ass sprint. From a, from a data perspective, do you have concerns about interest rates limiting the number of potential buyers? Yes. That's why we're moving yeah. as quickly as we can. Because yeah. like, we've seen some houses close and the market's still up high. But like, we can't wait until January. Like, that's mm-hmm. where, like, if we wait until January, then we we risk like the market changing over because we've talked to some people we know and they're like the housing market is already starting to tighten in the area. So it's like, you need to do it now. Like you've got 45 days, not 90 days, not four months. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's coming. I mean, here uh, in this, this specific neighborhood, 
um, if if you were to list the house a year ago, uh, within 24 hours, you would have had probably 10 to 15 offers now. Yeah. And there's that beautiful house just down the street. It's been sitting on the market for three months. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I recently went out to California to LA looking at houses. Um, and many of the houses that I've been looking at have been on the market six to nine months, which again, mm -hmm. like two years ago in LA, like houses weren't sitting for more than a week. And so yeah. it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, it is. And we're not quite there yet, but you could tell that's coming here soon. Yeah. Well, good luck with all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's that, that's the craziness. As soon as like things start to settle, it's like, let's just upend ourselves. Are you, so are you moving everything over storage unit? Like, how are you managing? I mean, the they've got a big enough house right now um, that the idea is, is, They've got the, the basement is unfinished. So it's, it's more of a storage oh, okay. area. The idea is to put as much into their basement as possible. So we don't need to get a storage unit. Now, the whole idea is, is not to get a storage unit. It's to make sure that we we're downsizing as like, we're cleaning stuff out as we're moving. We're not just boxing got stuff it. up. But the, the whole idea is, is also to push them to start to, to downsize. Got um, it. Okay. you know my i trying to be nice like my my in-laws are they're pack rats a bit um so it's <laughs> it's kind of giving them the nudge like it's this it's time to start assessing you know the you know what you need versus what you want and doing it nicely yeah understood um understood so so yeah that that's that's that but uh, i don't know how i'm going to segue it into <laughs> yeah good luck good luck today. with that segue yeah um i i don't i don't know so let's let's just dive in um and i want to we've been talking recently about careers and career growth and and learning so in a way continue that a bit but then also start to pivot to a new topic um okay. and today i want to talk about data literacy um i've seen you post about that uh quite often um, in on, on various social media um, mediums and, and whatnot. Um, so I want to start off talking about data literacy in a more general context today. So the textbook definition as per Gartner of data literacy, it's the ability to read, write, and communicate data in context, including an understanding of data sources and constructs, analytical methods and techniques applied and the ability to describe the use case application and resulting value. So, I mean, that, that that's quite, Lots of, that's a very academic yes. uh, <laughs> definition there. And yes. And yeah, it's quite packed. A lot There's to, a uh, lot, lot to in apart. there. Um, so, but I wanted to start with like that, that dry cut and dry academic definition as it give us our starting point to dive in. So, like I said, there's a lot in there. So let, let's break it all down. So what does that all that mean? Or or maybe a better way to start would be is if someone were to ask you what data literacy is, what is it? Uh, for me, and I'll, I'll try to come up with um, 
a more simplistic view of it and and not to take away from that definition because i think there's a tremendous amount of nuance and things that uh, apply to it but as as i've been thinking about data literacy um and, and honestly one of the drivers um, for us to to write a children's book was the importance of understanding how data is used so that you can think critically when information is presented to you and I think you called this out in the the definition from Gartner, put things into proper context. Um, and, and, and to me, that's kind of how I, I think about it. And there's, there's a couple primary use cases that have been really weighing on me. Uh, one is just whether it's by bad actors or people that just don't have knowledge of how to leverage and communicate data, whether it's social media you know, going on social media and seeing people and, you know, we saw our own governor do this. We've seen other politicians do it uh, or other people just trying to uh, sell a point using data incorrectly. Um, and and so from a data literacy standpoint, I have a very strong desire that we raise that literacy level, level of the entire population, not to necessarily call bullshit on people, but say, Hmm. Does that make sense? What does that actually mean? Where are you getting this data from? Is the data correct? Rather than just seeing someone post something who has a blue check mark on Twitter, it's like, well, that must be true. Uh, because when we do that, I think we get in a lot of trouble um, where we don't think critically about things. And we give people that have some sort of social standing, whether it's uh, a position, whether it's in private industry or in government, or they, you know, they have a verification badge on social media, and these people are misusing data. Most people are like, well, they're 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 an authority figure, so it must be true, right? We need to break that down and really think critically about the data. Um, but I also think it's important to put things into context, and this this also plays out. Um, and used to play out a lot, maybe it still does. I, I've, I've curtailed my consumption of TV news. But, you know, growing up watching the local news, there are always these scary stories that kind of bait you into watching the news, right? I'm sure if, you know, we watch, you know, our older family members watching MSNBC or Fox News, you can pick apart all over the place how they're misusing data to scare people and drive narratives. And we have to be able to put that data into proper context. So, a great example is, oh my God, there were like three major airline crashes last year. Like airline travel is so dangerous. Like, well, there were 40 million commercial flights last year. So like, what kind of numbers are we talking about here? Um, and so that ability to put data into context and really understand the risk, really understand the impact and really question what's being told to us, I feel is so critical yet so very few people, a very, very small percentage of our population today has the ability to do that. Oh, so many follow-up questions from that because like all, you know, like right there, like I'm, I'm looking at the Gartner definition, again, the academic definition as you're talking and like, you're just covering like the first part right there. And there's a lot there, right? the ability right, to read, right. write and communicate data in, in context that, that that's the, yeah. the very first piece um so i guess the first question is is there seems to be just as much manipulation with the data to your point people using it out of context on purpose 
there's just as much yeah. of that as maybe people unable to either think critically to say what is the context or you know just not wanting to do that so why is that why why do people not want to understand the data in context and i don't know if that's the proper way to ask it but it's it, it that that's my question is it's more on the the receiving end of the data not necessarily the the distri distribution of it um why is there seems to be such a problem in uh, here's a better way to ask it why does there seem to be such a problem in understanding the context of data presented i i think it's twofold uh i think i think in general um thinking is scary to a lot of people and they switch it off um, um because you know they just it's it's hard it's hard to sit down and think through things and it takes time and it takes retrospective and it takes being able to admit that what you had thought before might have been wrong. So now I, you know, put, put what my, my held beliefs were before in question. And I have to be comfortable with prodding and poking those things and saying, it might be okay for us to be wrong. Um, you know, most of the population just doesn't have a scientific mind. If from a scientific standpoint, we want to do that, right? Like we want to disprove our assumptions. We want to poke holes in things and find the right answers. But the vast majority of the population doesn't because that is that is scary. Um, and we kind of operate on a belief system where, you know, we have these set beliefs and they're not to be poked. They're not to be prodded. And, you know, for a long time, the, the major driver of that tended to be around religion. But what we're seeing today happening is a huge portion of, well, my head there. Okay, that's freaky. Hold on. Please hold. Okay, that was weird. Speaking of my new AirPods, they just automatic. I don't know what happened. Did I touch my face or hair or something? It switched to transparency mode and all this noise came rushing oh, in. Oh, funny. Oh, wait, that's why it switched over. It switched over to my phone. That's why I see. This is why I went wired before. Before. Yeah. Because. Uh, hold on. I got to go back to AirPods. This is why I went wired before when I was doing uh, the podcast, because um, it was constantly fighting back and forth between whether they were connected to my phone or they were connected to the computer. So sorry for mm -hmm. going off on a, on a tangent. The, the, the other part um, uh, of this is kind of this, this tribalism in that, and right now tribalism um, at least in the States is really aligned along political affiliation lines. And, and what we have seen is that again, these held beliefs that, you know, the political figures that I look, look up to are saying this, well, it's a hundred percent true. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to question it. And so you take those two things, you take this fear of questioning things, maybe even laziness or no desire to poke at things. And then you combine that with these very strong tribal beliefs that my tribe floats above logic and reason it, it creates this perfect storm of people that can be easily manipulated through stuff like data because they absolutely, not only do they absolutely refuse to question it, they wholeheartedly take what other people are saying that they align with as a gospel truth that is beyond questioning. And that to me 
poses a lot of danger um, and why I'm so passionate about the importance of data literacy. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. It's it's whenever you can't ask questions or questions are um, people asking questions are derided, it always sets off my bullshit meter. Um, and yeah. it's always just like, well, why can't I ask questions? Why can't I understand things? I'm, I'm not just going to take the answer as 42. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I don't I'll know if it. I ever told you this story and I, that comes from sophomore, uh, sophomore year in high school, algebra, algebra two. Um, mm. I had this, this teacher that year. So like growing up through grade school and even algebra one freshman year, like the, the, they would say, okay, here's the problem. And you know, okay, the answer is 42. And um, it was like first week and it's like, okay, here's, you know, here's, here's the worksheet for it. And we're, 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 you know, going through the problems. It's like, okay, Mr. Driscoll, what's the answer to question one? I'm like 42. And he's like, excuse me. I'm like, it, it's 42. And he's like, how'd you get there? Show your work. If you don't show your work, you're wrong. And I don't know, it's just one of those moments in life that just sticks with you. It's like, if you don't show the work behind it, it doesn't matter where you, how, you know, what you got to. Yeah. I mean, granted, 42 was yeah. the right answer, but it's how did you right. get that? How did you reach that? What is, in this case, all of the context behind 42? Yeah. Yeah. And we see that all the time on social media because of the brevity of the conversation. Everything has to be trimmed down and in these bite-sized pieces. And even on the news, like we have to cram, you know, like massive amounts of news into like a 15 minute slot because people's attention span is so incredibly short. And so, you know, if you see data being presented on social media, oftentimes it's, it's incredibly trimmed down. In fact, I saw it the other day and I called someone out on it, sharing a chart that the titles were trimmed off, the labels were trimmed down, there was no link to the source of the data, that it's like everything wrong that you can think about when it comes to communicating data. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, is this person doing this on purpose to try to misrepresent a point? Or are they trying to just fit in within the incredibly limiting confines of social media where everything has to be this tiny little bite-sized piece? And so, yeah, I mean, it creates it creates so many problems, by the way, com completely well related, but completely unrelated. Uh, I, I was growing up, I was a huge fan of text adventure games mm -hmm. um, and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was one of my favorite text adventure games that I would play on my Apple, too. Yeah, the, the, that's where 42 comes so, from. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Yeah. And and and, and I do like i i see it all the time with with with, with people like the just the you know they say well there you know x happened well how did you know what how did they maybe x happened isn't the right statement but they're saying like x is happening well how did you reach that conclusion where is the information behind it and so if we were to zero in on data literacy into you know, in our world, in, in the world of digital analytics, I mean, like having having a low level of ability to communicate data in context, that, that, that could have massive repercussions. Um, you know, in your perspective, how does data literacy, being data literate, 
apply to to the world of digital analytics? Oh man! I, again, I think it's it's a microcosm of, or it's a it's a it's a segment of the larger problem that that we're dealing with in the public, and uh, it's 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 really twofold. Um, one, you you have the people that are on the side of digital analytics. So I'm an architect, I'm an implementer, I'm a digital analyst. Fill in the blank. Um, there's a very real trap in this industry of not becoming data loader. As crazy as that sounds, like we're literally working in an industry where we need to know and speak the language, but because of the digital component and so many tools being offered to us that quote, quote, do the analytics for us, you know, the, the vendors have almost set this narrative up. You don't even have to think about it. Just like our tool will do the analysis. Our tool will do the data collection. So if, if that's kind of what we're pitching and, and we're kind of de-incentivizing people to actually be uh, literate about the data, what ends up happening? Well, we end up collecting data that is incorrect, is dirty, is in misalignment with the, the potential outcomes. And then to, to amplify that error, we have analysts that aren't thinking about the data, so they're not catching it that it's bad, and they're then putting out insights and recommendations that are fraudulent and bad and misguided. And then to make it even worse, they're presenting to a population within the business that often is very data illiterate. So they don't catch it and they say, okay, well, we'll go and do this. And then all of a sudden customer experience is bad. Financials are bad. Everything what's going on. It's like, well, you're operating on bad data that was poorly analyzed and never questioned it, it's bad. And we, and in, this may sound like an extreme edge case. I don't, I don't think it is. I think it happens all the time. Um, so I, I, I think it's a, it's a compounding problem that starts with how we collect the data where again, don't think about it. You know, our systems will just do it for you automatically. It's amplified by analysts that don't question the data. And then it's further made bad by business stakeholders that that take it as face value and don't question it and make decisions off of it. Every part along that line, we need to question. We need to poke. We need to prod. Is this the right thing? We need to think critically about the data. But again, thinking critically is hard. So I don't know if oh, I yeah. want to do that today. <laughs> yeah, no. I, so. I, th- th- there are so many people out there that's just just tell me what to do. Just... Just tell me what I have to do so I can collect my paycheck and and go home. I had a couple visions come to mind as you were talking through that. And the first being on, on the architecture side. So vendors have dumbed down the data instrumentation so much that it's just a matter of, well, just pop this tag up. Or here's what you need to do. You just need to pass in these attributes on this tag. And, and this is by no means a shot at platform developers and whatnot, but they've made it so that, and and sometimes I think it's done on purpose. um, They've made it so that you can bypass your implementation architects and your, Mm -hmm. your, your platform developers think, Oh, I just need to pop this up. I just have to follow this knowledge base and I can put this information in and as long as it's sending off, it's fine. They're not taking that next step of one is the data coming through correctly. But then even the step after that, 
does the data that's collected answer the business questions or what should have been done is what are the business questions so we can structure the data that's being passed in so that it's coming in. It's not just passing, passing data. Cause I've seen that one too many times where you have the digital analytics art uh, implementation engineer and architect asking questions and it's, we don't have time for questions or we don't know. We just can't think about that right now. We just need to get something wired up. They push those people aside and they just hand off a generic knowledge base article to developers. Developers are like, hey, I've got this ticket to put this up. I'm going to do it. And then either the data is wrong or it's not in the proper context. Yeah, so there's a couple things happening here that um, most people are incredibly uncomfortable with calling out. So number one, you have some new and emerging vendors and technologies that are pushing the narrative of uh, thinking about how you collect data um, is is stupid. Um, and, you know, in, in, in part, I do understand where they're coming from because there's so much frustration with data collection where a stakeholder will come in and ask a question and they're like, ah, we're not capturing that. We need to capture it. So in, in part, I understand their their position of just capture everything. Um, but the way they're positioning it, I think, is incredibly harmful and in that they're just saying, you don't even have to think about it. Like our solution has AI and it's like really fancy and it just does all the thinking for you. That should be a massive, massive warning sign um, that you're you're going down a path that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. But in the context of this conversation, again, it's taking away your incentive to learn and understand about the data that you're collecting. It's de-incentivizing that. So we're becoming dumber from a data literacy standpoint instead of smarter. So, so that's number one. Number two, the thirst for more money is, is a problem. And I'm going to call out Google the Google partner network maybe for, for this, um, because this has been a, a trend of, of the Google partner network for many, many years where they will purposefully and by design circumvent the analytics programs within organizations and go directly to a marketing program, a product program and say, you don't need those guys. Like we'll, we'll, we'll just slap this on there for you and implement it. And then you guys kind of can do some analysis and, and make it work. And I blame the partners for this because they're thirsty for more and more money and that they found that this is a proven technique to do that. But if they were to take one step back and themselves think critically and say, is this the right approach for our client? Is this setting them up for long-term success or is this creating doubt and mistrust in the data in general and misaligning with the people, the very people that have been tasked with being the data experts in the company. If they were to ask that question and truthfully answer it, they wouldn't be doing this, but they don't care. All they care about is it's just another quick buck for us to earn. So, you know, I think when we combine those two things together, we're, we're in a really precarious time right now where vendors literally don't give a shit about the long-term health of their clients and doubling that issue with vendors saying, we, we've, we've done all the thinking for you, whether it's the data collection side or the analysis side, it's very trendy right now to say, you don't even have to hire a data scientist or a smart analyst or someone that's an architect. You know, we've built all this powerful AI into our platform to do all the thinking for you. All of these things are creating a more dumbed down, 
less informed, less data literate digital analytics ecosystem and, and people that are participating in that rather than a more informed. And so while we have these bigger concerns that we're, we, we open the conversation with around how politicians and news media misuse data to, to influence people, you know, our, our own, what, what's the saying? Our, our own house is in disarray. So, you know, it's it's pretty audacious for us to say, we need to fix that outside world when our inside world, just inside the digital analytics organization, is so broken and off the tracks right now, um, primarily driven by agencies and vendors thirst for more money in the short term, rather than thinking about the long term. And maybe I should have saved this for the end when we talk about how does this apply to sustainable analytics? This is how it applies. Because everybody is is thinking about, I'm just trying to make my money this quarter, rather than thinking about, but is this the right thing to do long term for our clients? If they were thinking like that, I think we would be in a much different place. Data literacy would be amplified as a critical component. But just as it's important for the news media and politicians to keep the populace stupid so they can control them, there's no... there's no incentive for agencies and for vendors to make the industry smarter and think critically about data because once they start questioning they're like well wait a minute this doesn't make sense how does this work no no, no don't question it. just don't question it. just throw the tag on your site just throw it on there i'll do all the work for you don't think don't think don't think don't yeah. think don't worry about don't that. think Nothing mr how did you get 42 don't worry about it don't, don't worry about it <laughs> yeah yeah, so, yeah and, sorry and again, it wow i got really I got yeah. the work no out. no it's great because it, it it goes exactly back to that example i gave you of you know, sitting in sophomore year algebra and setting the teacher on this like five minute lecture to the entire class on why showing your work was important and is important because like I, I see it right now with with Facebook right now with their conversions API, what they're yeah. telling their clients and what their partner agencies are telling their clients is is exactly it. Don't worry. Don't ask questions. Don't think about yeah. the use cases. Just send us everything and everything's be fine. We'll right. be able to tell you how we're operating. So when they say, hey, nice. we drove this, this is what you owe us, you know, like you you, you don't have the ability to, to question it. And, and Facebook's easy to call out with Cappy because they have been ultra, ultra aggressive in pushing this that don't think about it, just send us everything. You know, oh, and by the way, you need to upgrade your your services to server side for this to work, which we're going to probably, you know, drive revenue. It's it's scary. Um, And um, I think it applies to media in general. And I've called this out on on LinkedIn several times. Um, This is this is one of the reasons why if you go to any major retail or any major brand website is is going to be incredibly bloated by, I can't do this, hold on. Okay, I gotta go back to the wired. I can't, I can't do it. I, I can't stand the bouncing back and forth. Weird. I wonder what's on your phone that's you know causing it to, to jump over. I have no idea, but it just bounced back over to my phone. Um, so I'm going to go back to Wired. I'm mocking me all you want, Hila and others, for going old school Wired, but I, I got to do it. I can't stand the bouncing back and forth. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, this 
this applies to to agencies ad agencies in general and i've called this out on on linkedin several times that um the reason why these sites are so bloated um and bogged down with third-party pixels is because they have to control the data so they can control the narrative so they control their profitability we already have all this data all the data to measure ad performance is already in our analytics platforms why do we need your separate tags well we need the data so we can massage it so that it makes it look like the job we're doing is better and you can pay us more money that's why again it's this greed factor of more and more profits is pushing so many of these problems that we're trying to uh, deal with in the digital analytics space yeah and not to take away the seriousness of what you're saying i do just want to mention on the side i had the laugh when you um when, when you uh said the thirst for more money um because there's always been this rumor of of a space balls sequel and you know there's always <laughs> talking well rick moranis retired from acting and they said they would never do it without him uh, so they're still trying to get them to come out and do one more movie. Um, and, but the, the, oh, the rumored, or at least the joked about title for the Spaceballs sequel would be like the quest for more money, you know, Spaceballs in fact, the quest in, for more money. In fact, they, they dropped that when they're in the spaceship, right? They, they pull it up and it's like Spaceballs to the search for more money. And they talk and then like start showing all the merch and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that—that's always also been like Horrible. the joked about sequel if they were ever to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and like I have this one client who has a paid media agency that is is a Facebook partner, and every time we're on the phone with them, the the marketing associate goes into the sales pitch for Facebook of mm-hmm. why they need the the conversions api and its server side and and again it goes right into the the sales pitch taglines that you could see right through the oh we need to prepare for the cookie future we need to do this it's like wait a second okay but how is it really going to benefit the program and don't just tell me the cookie future like specifically what is it going to do and i've pulled the client aside and i say like nothing against them like we're not competing with them we're complementary agencies they're not taking work away from us we're not taking work away from them they do stuff that we don't do so there's no pissing contest here there's no ground to gain i you know just the relationship we've built with them i pull them aside after every meeting with them and i'm like just so you know it should be a red flag when an agency comes to you and says just send us all of your data We'll figure it out on this end. That should be a red flag for you that you need to control the data. Not me, not them, you. Yeah. And and again, I think, you know, we talked about this in the general sense that when you have a data illiterate population, it's much easier to control the narrative. The same thing applies to to our space as well. And I was laughing as you were saying that because I think we've all had we've all been in that meeting. Um, you know, I, I was recently in a meeting where um, a, a marketing director was basically giving me word for word the pitch and the buzzwords from a Google implementation partner. I'm like, you're literally just regurgitating their slide deck. You didn't once take any time to think about this or question it or even think about how it applies to your specific scenario. You're literally just passing through a pitch deck to this to this meeting. You're adding no value to this. So I, I, again, I think 
I think a big part of it, especially in business, in business, when it comes to like the employee side, I, I do think when we're talking about organizations, specifically organizations that are pushing sales, I, they know what they're doing. They're doing this by design. And, and I, I would call it unethical. They're absolutely doing it by choice. I think it's different on the populace, on the client, on the client side. And we're talking about employees. I just think these people are, they're not, they're not doing it to be nefarious. They're just being taken advantage of by bad actors that are trying to separate money that they control from them. Um, and the way to solve this is to increase data literacy, not to be aggressive, not to fight, not to be bad partners, but to have informed, honest conversations about what we're trying to solve for. And again, it just, because the low data literacy rate in the general populace and within many companies allow people to be easily manipulated for control. And in the business world, that control comes down to how can I manipulate these people to separate them from the money that they control? And it's incredibly sad. Yeah. And if you're on the opposite side of that group, I'm going to steal something from, from John, from, from our internal meeting yesterday. He said something that just, it struck me, it stuck with me. Um, and I've been really, really thinking about it. It's slow down, take the time to slow down and think. And that, that's one of the reasons mm -hmm. why these, the, the, the bad actors that are, that are out there is because people are trying to do more, 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 faster, faster, faster. The, yeah, I don't have to think about that one. You could think about that one for me. Perfect. I'll let you do that so I can focus here. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I think, and, and I don't want, I don't want people to think I'm calling out Google. They just make a, a good example of many of these. There's lots of organizations that are, are, are um, guilty of doing this, but you bring, you know, you bring up this point of slowing down, um, you know, a year ago when, when, when Google really started to ramp up the push to, to GA4, they were reaching out to companies and saying, Hey, you've qualified as this special grant recipient to get a free implementation of GA4, but this offer expires in like 70, almost like it was a used car sales pitch, you know, this high pressure, the clock is ticking. You only have 48 hours to accept this grant we're offering you. You know, any time that those constraints are put in place, they're done by design to get you to not think. And if someone wants you to make a decision and not think about it, I guarantee you they don't have your best interest in mind. They have their be best flag. interest in mind. It should be a massive red flag that they don't want you to think. And if you are offering something of high value, of importance, something that is going to be incredibly memorable for people from a positive perspective, you should have no fear in people thinking, questioning, asking, poking. If you're not confident in what you're offering, that's where you have to have these sleazy techniques that force people to not think because you have to get them to make a decision without thinking about it because you don't trust the value of what you're offering. You should, people should think about that because I think yes. that that there's, there's something incredibly powerful there. Yes. And, and honestly, I think that answers our, our question as we start to wrap up, you know, you mentioned it earlier, but I think that, that idea of slowing down, you know, what does all of this mean in the context of sustainable analytics? It means slowing down and thinking about what you're doing with your data and why others are pushing you not to think about it. That's right. And, you know, 
there's so much opportunity, especially if we're <clears throat> focused on the long term. And sustainability has to be about the long term. There, there, you know, I'm I'm of a mindset of abundance that there is so much opportunity for all of us, that there is no reason that we have to be so narrowly focused and short-term focused and zero-sum game focused that I have to cheat you to get you out of your money so I can win. It's not necessary. If we do things collectively together that are sustainable and value-producing, we all win and we can all have abundance. Um, But that's not how our world works today. So because of that, and if we're in a position of, of authority, if we're in a position to make decisions, um, you need to get to a place where you have confidence and trust that the decisions you make around sustainability will always pay off in the long run. And I'll, and I'll leave us with the quote from Yvonne Chouinard where he talks about, yeah, I understand what's happening today. But, but honestly, what I'm thinking about the most is how can I make a decision that is informed by the company being here a hundred years from now? Like everything I do and think about is about making decisions based on the company existing a hundred years from now, which is the exact opposite of how most people think they're making decisions based on what's going to happen today and tomorrow in this quarter. Most of those decisions in the long run are losing decisions. Yes. Agreed. So I think that that's a great place to, to, to wrap up for, for today. Um, we're definitely going to continue this, um, and talk about this topic and dive into, to different aspects of it, but, uh, let's leave it there. Um, and, uh, we'll wrap up for now. All right. Good stuff. I'm going back to the wired full time. So sorry for the interruptions. Yeah, no worries. No worries. You always have to experiment with something new. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you much. We'll talk to everybody later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.